This is an RNZ podcast. Hey, it's great to be with you. And that, uh, the one fan who was talking about Antarctica, I think she was pretty right. I've seen this fan base travel all over the world, and this is the farthest they've come yet, but the numbers are amazing. That was the Philadelphia Inquirer newspaper's soccer reporter Jonathan Tannenwald on RNZ's morning report last Wednesday, sharing the enthusiasm of one fan of the US national women's team. Now that fan said that she'd have gone as far as Antarctica to back their team's bid to retain the FIFA Women's World Cup, prompting host Corin Dan to warn Jonathan Tannenwald that the weather here could have a pretty Antarctic tinge to it here in wintertime. How are the players uh, in playing in in cold, wet, windy weather? (laughs) Particularly, well, it can be anywhere in New Zealand, to be honest. Look, we got a lot of cold, wet, windy weather in the United States, too. And and they're not they're not everybody on this team's from Los Angeles where it's sunny (laughs) all the time. You know, there's plenty of folks from from the eastern United States, where I'm from, from the Midwest, from from the Northwest and so on. But 24 hours later, on the day of the big kickoff, the weather was the least of their worries. And a story more familiar to Americans unfolded in central Auckland early on Thursday. Um, Before we return to normal programming, we've actually got some breaking news this morning. Police are responding to reports of a serious incident on Key Street in Auckland's central business district this morning. We understand there are a number of armed police currently headed to the scene or already there. The public is being asked to stay indoors and avoid the area. Now, reporters were swiftly at the scene in Lower Queen Street and one reason for that was that breakfast show broadcasts had been arranged to mark the World Cup opening at the nearby fan zone on the waterfront, which was due to open at midday. But all that changed after a witness called police at 7.23am to report there was a man with a gun and police arrived 12 minutes later, followed by armed defenders. And Emma Olsen was live on air from there for the AM show on TV3 just minutes later. Is this isolated from that? Is this is this not nothing to do with the FIFA fan zone? No, this is nothing to do with the FIFA fan zone, Lloyd. We were at the cloud just before this happened, and then we saw all the commotion, so we ran down, and that's when I started talking to the construction workers who said that they'd all been evacuated because there was someone unknown inside the building who was causing an alarm to the workers who was supposedly putting them in danger, and so that's why they all evacuated. No one knows exactly who this person is, what they're doing, but as I said before, one of the workers who was inside said that they supposedly had a gun. And in shot behind Emma Olsen, soon after gunshots were heard, was the hotel of the team from Norway, which kicked off the tournament with the football ferns at Eden Park that night. In the area there. Incredible stuff there from um, Emma, right in the guts of that. And the footage that we saw of those, I think it was an undercover police officer coming out with blood all over them. Must be pretty terrifying for police, pretty terrifying for members of the public, and particularly probably quite scary for the Norway football team, which is staying at the M Social Hotel, which is right next to where all of this is unfolding. So... The AM show's live footage then showed a police officer with upper body injuries being led to an ambulance, after which further grim facts started to come out. Meanwhile, TVNZ's breakfast show asked Nancy, an eyewitness in a neighbouring building, where she was getting her news. No, we have messages coming from the email from our phones and as well as we are in front of the computer, so we look at the NZ Herald and stuff.co.nz. 
Now, both the online major news sites were already running rapidly updated blogs at that point with eyewitness accounts and images and official information as well. And both were excellent sources in a confusing but clearly dangerous and deadly situation. And essential information about transport changes and cordons and closures also had to be communicated. And Mike Hosking did his bit with that on his News Talk ZB breakfast show. All buses running through this area will need to be deterred until further notice. All ferries have been cancelled. So the place is a mess. And if you can avoid it, I would avoid it and just, you know, not come into town at all. More AOS officers are now on the move in Key Street. But while he was at it, Mike Hosking also criticised local city councillors for issuing messages he thought were unnecessary and the police for not issuing enough. I mean, there's a couple of councillors coming out saying, can you stay safe and stuff. I mean, is that all they got to do, really? Is that what you do as a councillor? Um, but there is some... The police need to... What I'm trying to say here is without crossing a line is the police need to say something, and fairly soon, uh, because there's a lot to be said, and the longer they leave this, the more vacuum there is. Now, having raised alarm about that, Mike Hosking then launched into an interview about Nigel Farage's bank account problems in the UK before returning to the drama on his doorstep and putting this into the information vacuum he just warned about. Uh, Wayne Brown, the mayor, uh, he says the shooter's actually dead. Uh, asked, he was asked whether that's been confirmed by the police. He said they don't need me bothering him, but um, the mayor of Auckland has suggested that the shooter is dead. And apart from that, that's it's started. The information flow is starting to slow, indicating that things might be might be uh, concluding. Now, airing second-hand reports sourced to a mayor who had been heavily criticised after previous emergencies for failing to impart information to a city properly isn't necessarily best practice. Neither is guessing that that might mean the end of the emergency was nigh on Thursday. Now, the claim of the shooter's death was made by the mayor just minutes earlier on TVNZ's breakfast show, almost in passing and in amongst a laundry list of information about transport services and road closures during a pretty hard-to-hear phone interview like this. Yeah. Put a cordon around it and, um, and you can understand that. Yeah. I understand yeah. the latest thing is that the shooter's actually dead so that the, the rules stay down, locked down for a bit longer. Mayor Brown, have you, had that, have you had that from police? Have they spoken to you about that or is this just unconfirmed reports that you're hearing? We're not bothering the police just at the moment. They're under immense pressure. I know um, Sam Hoyle pretty well and, and speak to them regularly, but right at the moment they don't need me bothering them. And that raised the question, if the police hadn't told Wayne Brown that the gunman was dead, well, who did? Sorry, sorry, Mayor Brown, just because we've got you on the phone and we just want to double-check, we heard you correctly, is it your understanding that the shooter or the person at the centre of this incident is dead? Well, that's what I, that's what I think. Of. That's what I hear there, that no-one's absolutely sure about that. Well, that was some way short of reliable information and there was no actual explanation of who else thought so but wasn't sure. And that was made clear to breakfast viewers again like this. I want to be really clear that it is an unconfirmed report uh, that a man has died. Uh, we will, of course, ask police for clarification over that incident. Turned out that Wayne Brown wasn't actually wrong about the shooter's death. Before long, the police confirmed it and the Prime Minister reiterated it in a later media conference as well. And the Mayor also wasn't wrong about this. From this dreadful situation in, in downtown, which couldn't have come at a worse time given the fact that the world's got its eye on us now with the FIFA soccer thing. Well, the Women's World Cup organisers wouldn't have been thrilled to hear the biggest sporting event ever held in this country called the FIFA soccer thing. 
But soon after, the Prime Minister also spoke about the world's gaze being on the city. Clearly with the FIFA World Cup kicking off this evening, there are a lot of eyes on Auckland. The government's spoken to FIFA organisers this morning and the tournament will proceed as planned. After carrying that media conference live on News Talk ZB, morning host Kerry Woodham wasn't impressed by the PM's reassurances. Actually, I could have done that better, couldn't I, when I think about it? Just stop. Anyway, that's, I mean, the Prime Minister has to be seen to respond to a mass shooting. So, uh, especially when we have the eyes of the world upon us with the FIFA World Cup beginning tonight. Meanwhile, TVNZ's Jenny Mae Clarkson and Chris Chang, who were at the fan zone to hype up the World Cup, also wondered what the rest of the world would make of what happened that morning so close to the team hotels and the fan zone. As you, if you've just tuned in now, in the last wee while, we were down here uh, at the cloud, Jenny Mae, for uh, the FIFA Fan Festival um, yeah. opening, really, for the World Cup, because, of course, that is front of mind at the moment with um, with the first game this morning, it's, uh, this evening, rather, little, at 7 o'clock. later on tonight, and as you were saying, you know, the eyes of the world are on New Zealand at the moment with uh, this World Cup getting underway tonight. So everybody down here at the moment just, yeah, in some kind of shock. And Online, the Herald circulated a summary of international media reaction with these words. As the eyes of the world fell on Aotearoa for the launch of the World Cup, our violent streets were laid bare for the world. And the Herald picked out the Daily Mail, world leaders in pumping out online clickbait, as reporting the incident as a mass shooting after a gunman stormed a high-rise building just hours before the World Cup opening match. Now, a more measured version of the story made news bulletins on the BBC World Service after that, following the latest from the war in Ukraine. Meanwhile, when News Talk ZB opened its talkback and text lines, comparisons with South Africa's urban problems were made by the callers, along with criticism of cyclists. On the waterfront there, there's, you know, obviously cycleways and, and such, and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and bikes were just riding straight through, and the police were throwing up their hands in, in despair, and then another one would fly straight through. Uh, it, it was... it was. <laughs> so they were ignoring the cordons? Ah, oh, they had the headphones on. <laughs> you know, they, they were doing their thing. Interesting. Yep. Mayor Wayne Brown appeared on News Talk ZB later in the day and again was asked about the international gaze on his city. Millions of eyes on New Zealand and the response to this morning's events. How are you feeling about, about being a public face for Auckland at this time? Well, nobody wants to be the public face of a city that's had a tragedy like that, but you have to step up to it. I've been on Australian TV and others and pointing out that it is safe. This is something that we're not used to. It's not Americans are a bit more used to than this than we are, but we are not used to this. And so it's been important for me to let the rest of the world know that this is a very, very unusual event. And it was a dignified and measured response there from the mayor who did succeed in conveying that this was something pretty unprecedented for Auckland's CBD. And while he was far from the only one on Thursday characterising the deadly shootings as a US-style event, that wasn't the take of one Kiwi who lives there, John Riley, the father of US-born football fern captain Ali Riley, who told the AM show on TV Channel 3 it was something he'd never experienced here or there. I've never actually seen a policeman pointing a gun at anyone, and so it's just quite shocking to what I hear today. As life returned to more like normal for people in Auckland on Thursday, attention shifted to the big match over which the shootings had cast a shadow. And New Zealand's surprise win over Norway that night did raise the spirits of sports fans in the city. Though that, and the minute's silence before kickoff, will have been no consolation to loved ones of those who died violently on Thursday morning. 
But even after the moment of triumph, football ferns captain Ali Riley and live coverage on Sky Sports, Prime TV and streamed live for free by Stuff had the grace to say that the game was not the most important thing in Auckland that day and acknowledge those who were in harm's way and who made things safe again. This morning, something really, really tragic happened and we wanted to bring something positive tonight and we thought of the victims and the first responders and they made us so proud and we wanted to just help bring something amazing today. Well, you've absolutely done that. You've made a statement here tonight. The Herald's football writer Michael Burgess said the opening game was one of the most extraordinary matches in our sporting history and told his readers this about what happened on Thursday night at Eden Park. You will never see this again. You could never dream to see this again. But let's also hope the same is true of what happened in Auckland on Thursday morning.